following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. All right now, all right. Woo! Well, it's Wednesday. It's halftime. It's timeout time. And if you've had a great week, we're just going to make it a little bit better. If you've had a bad week right now, we're going to turn it around and do a 180 tonight and go the other direction. It's halftime. I'll never forget when Coach Bum Phillips came and talked to our men. Some of you don't know who it is. He was a great coach for the Houston Oilers and then the New Orleans Saints. And I was privileged to do his funeral, be a part of his funeral. And he was my buddy. And so we had him. He didn't like to give speeches, but he enjoyed when you interviewed him. So we interviewed him one morning over here next door. We had a big men's breakfast, and we interviewed Coach Phillips. And uh, I said, Coach, it's halftime. It's halftime. And I said, and you're supposed to be beating this team. You're favored by 14, and you're down by 14 at halftime. What do you tell your guys? He looked at me like I'd lost my mind. He said, I tell them, forget the first half. (laughs) That's all he said. Some of you need to forget the first half of the week if you've had a bad week. And let's let a great end of the week happen in your life. Amen. There's a great Thursday, Friday, and Saturday waiting on you. And then Sunday is right around the corner. I'd like to also tell you that I have become friends with a young man named Corey Morrow. Corey is a country singer. And he has agreed also to come be a part of our men's night on on the 5th. And while we're, oh, don't clap yet. It's going to get better. And while we're eating, I'm going to have him do some of his songs. And then we're going to come in here and do some praise and worship with Pastor Randy. And then Darren's going to speak. We're going to have a great night. And so I want you men to understand that. It's not going to be just, uh, you know, we're going to come here and eat a little beef and go home. No, we're going to have a big night. You will leave here as charged as you've ever been in your life. And going into the Easter season, what a joy that will be. And so remember that. So we're going to have a big, big time. Stand to your feet. You're awesome people. I love you very much. And wow, I love your worship tonight. I love the fact that you're here. Brother John McDaniel's back there on the back row with a cast on his left arm. And I asked him what he did. He said he hurt it. He he broke his his arm playing (laughs) putt-putt. Brother John and I might need to give up golf because the last time I played, I broke three ribs and he broke his hand. So Brother John, let's just go drink coffee together. How about that? You folks need to take care of yourself, okay? Hey, now listen, I don't know if you've heard it or not, but there's a rumble that Tiger Woods is in town. (laughs) Now like him or lump him, I happen to like him. He can hit a golf ball. And I taught him everything I could teach him. And he finally caught on when he was about 10 years old. And I said, go get him, Tiger. And he's done it. And, uh, and Jordan Spieth's in town. And Jordan was here at the University of Texas. And I went out and coached him one day. And he said, it's the best, best instruction I've ever had in my life. Or something like that. I don't know. Folks, I'm not telling the truth right now. I'm just messing with you. But I did hear about a 92-year-old man that went in to see a doctor one day, and he said, Doc, I need a blood test. The doc said, why? He said, I'm getting married. He said, how old are you? He said, I'm 92. The doctor said, how old is the bride? He said, she's 20. And the doctor said, you do know that there may be some problems with that. 
you know, there could be some issues, some casualties. And the old man looked at the doctor and said, well, if she dies, she dies. That's funny. I don't care who you are. That's funny. Hey, did, did I, have I told you lately I love you? Have I told you that? I love you folks very, very much. And it's an honor to be your pastor, and it's an honor to teach you the gospel. This is the last of my series, Sermons I Want to Preach. This is the last night. And we've had show and tell every week, but I have no show tonight. I'm just going to tell you some things tonight. And it's something that I've been wanting to talk about to you for a long time because it's a, a, a little used word in, in, in preaching. It's a very small used word in preaching, and I want to expound it tonight. And I'm just going to preach it the way God's put it in my heart and in my spirit. And I'm going to talk tonight about abounding in hope. Everybody say hope. hope. Everybody say hope. hope. Paul said in Romans, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Jesus said in the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. Everybody say the word hope. I knew an old boy that stood up to testify down in Bridge City, Texas a long time ago. I knew him personally and he wasn't very good at spelling. And he stood up and he said, I, Pastor, I want to thank God for hope tonight. H-O-P, hope. And so his wife said, E. He said, no, hope, not E, hope. <laughs> so however you spell it, that's what I'm going to preach about tonight. Amen. Turn to somebody, say, I'm going to help the pastor. You may be seated. You're awesome. Amen. If you trust the chronology of the gospel of John, and I see no reason not to, those were the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples. In the world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. At the last supper of his life on this earth before crucifixion, the last night before crucifixion. See, because Jesus understood something about mankind, people lose hope very easily. They really do. Is it a function of our day and age? I can't say for sure. I just don't know. Yet there is a real need to engender hope in people's day today lives. And so on this Wednesday night, I'm going to sow some hope seed. I'm going to sow some hope seed. It's the role of every God called preacher and pastor and teacher. The most powerful part of a human being is not the part that he can see, but the part that is not seen. And so whatever this spirit world is happening in our life right now, the part we can't see we need to fix that every time we get a chance. And when hope is present, people are encouraged to lay hold of what heaven has for them. Some have referred to hope as the middle sister of faith and love. I like that. The middle sister. Spring break was last week and some traveled the expanses of America and saw a lot of sights. We stayed in Austin. We had a great place to stay right here. 
But I have some, I have some bucket lists that I'd like to do, and one of them is to see the Oregon, Oregon Trail. And on the Oregon Trail, I have read about a string of three volcanoes standing next to each other. I've got a picture of them here, and each has a little over 10,000 feet in elevation. And they became known as the Three Sisters. Presently, they are called the North Sister, the South Sister, and the Middle Sister. <laughs> but pioneers called them by different names. They call the North Sister Faith. They call the South Sister Love. And they call the Middle Sister the Middle Sister. <laughs> hoping that those things wouldn't explode. And in wrapping up, perhaps the most eloquent portion of the New Testament, Paul the Apostle described three abiding virtues, or can I say sisters, if you please, when he said in 1 Corinthians 13, now there abides faith, hope, and charity. These three. But the greatest of these is charity, love. Everybody say the greatest is love. Faith is the first sister. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Charity is the last sister. You have to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But hope, hope. She's the one I want to talk about tonight because hope, see, she is what I call the middle sister. She is in the middle of it all. One of Grimm's fairy tales is called Three Sisters and there's a Russian playwright named Chekhov who wrote a play by the same name. But perhaps the most popular occurrence of this happening is found in the story of an Italian woman named Sophia or Wisdom and her three daughters, Faith and Hope and Charity. And whether the story is true or not is debatable but it has lingered for hundreds of years and it still has great, great value in that country. The story is used to underscore the truth of the Lord's words. Wisdom is justified of all her children. When Sophia's daughters were 12 and 10 and 9, they came to the attention of a Roman emperor. And he called Sophia and the three girls before him and he demanded that they make sacrifice to the pagan goddess. And they refused and were placed under house arrest. And during the weeks that followed, Sophia made certain that her three daughters knew what they faced in what was facing them. And all three girls told their mother that they would rather die than deny Jesus Christ. And they believed that if they stood for Jesus and their lives were taken, they would all be reunited again somewhere over there. But without standing for Jesus, there would be no reunion anywhere. So the four were soon called back before the emperor, the mother, and the three daughters. And he tried to get each girl to renounce their faith in Jesus, oh, I want to preach tonight. Faith refused first. She was tortured and executed. Hope refused next and her defense being, am I not Faith's sister? She too was tortured and executed. Finally, Charity stepped forward and said, am I not the sister of Faith and of Hope? And each died with the mother watching but Sophia was permitted the mother to gather the remains of the three daughters and to bury her daughters, although their heads had been taken off. And three days later, she passed from this life also from sheer grief. And on that site, a church 
dedicated to Sophia has been built and is still there to this day. The groupings of these three virtues as sisters is not uncommon. And Hope's defense in this story was, am I not Faith's sister? See, we speak much about the eldest sister. Sermons galore are preached concerning faith. Books are written about faith. People desire faith. Pray for faith. Reach faith. Ask for more faith. But in the words of hope, am I not faith's sister? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. We talk about the youngest sister too. We should. Love is the greatest of the three. God is love. He loves each of us. Redemption is all about love. But hope, hope is love's sister also. After all, 1 Corinthians 13 says, charity hopes all things. See, the middle child syndrome strikes here. We don't talk much about the middle sister. Hope is a neglected sibling in faith and hope and charity. We sing less about hope than faith. We sing less about hope than we do about love. And when you get down to pray, you don't pray for hope. We don't ask God to build up our hope. But hope is crucial in this journey of faith and love. Can you clap your hands and say, preach to us tonight, Pastor? So I'm going to give you three, three things tonight, just three, three truths tonight that I want you to hold on to. And I'm going to do my best to stay within myself because I want to get outside myself tonight. Number one, hope is fundamental to the Christian life. Everybody say it's fundamental. It's fundamental to Christian life. Like plants need sunshine, the Christian needs hope. Like a body needs vitamin, the nutrient, the nutrients, believers need hope. And as a family needs food and shelter and clothing, Christians require hope. Hope is more than a city in Arkansas where Bill Clinton was born. It's the fundamental of a Christian life. One man wrote it best and said, man can live for 40 days without food and three days without water and three minutes without oxygen, but not one second without hope. Paul said in Ephesians, an unbeliever is one with no hope. If you have no hope, you need to start believing in the hope that only Jesus can give you tonight. Hope is necessary to be a believer He wrote to Timothy, our hope is based on Jesus Christ, 1 Timothy 1 and 1. And then Paul said in Ephesians, we were born without hope and without God, and that's a bad place to live. And he said, without that, we'd be of all men most miserable if we didn't have any hope in this life. But I love what Peter said in 1 Peter 1 and 3, he said, we were born again unto a lively hope. Can I tell you, I can clap my hands over the hope he's put in my life. I can lift my hands over the hope he's put in my life. I can sing, he's my hope in this world over the hope he's put in my life. I can go to sleep at night knowing I have hope. I can wake up in the morning knowing I have hope. I know faith is the first sister and love is the most wanted one. But I have hope in God tonight. I believe he is my savior. And I trust him in what he's doing in my life. This spring, my wife and I got to talking. I walked out the door and saw a bunch of blue bonnets. 
I'm not a flower person. I don't have a green thumb. I don't have a brown thumb. I don't even hardly have a thumb. I can't grow anything. I really can't. I really can't. Well, maybe God's helped me with the church. I don't know. But, but I saw these blue bonnets bursting out with new life. And blue bonnets are what they call perennials, meaning they can come back each year. And they don't have, you don't have to plant them. You don't have to plant more seed. They just kind of show up again. You know what I mean? And it doesn't matter how dead they were the previous winter. Come the next spring, they'll be alive again. Hope is like that. Hope is perennial. Hope springs eternal within the human breast. I love what Alexander Pope said. He said, man never is, but always to be blessed. And he spelt it B-L-E-S-T. That's not a misprint. That's how he spelt it. Man never is, but always to be blessed. Can I tell you? It don't matter who you are. God didn't make you to destroy you. God didn't make you to put you down. God didn't make you to discourage you. God made you so he could bless you. You hearing me? You belong to him. Clap your hands and rejoice in that. God made you so you could be blessed. When trials come, hope soon appears. When darkness falls, hope comes out like stars. When hurt and sorrow enshroud us, hope lights a candle. Hope is simply an expectation of something better. Dread is a hopeless expectation. But anticipation is a hopeful expectation. So tonight, are you dreading tomorrow? Are you anticipating tomorrow? Are you afraid of tomorrow? Are you happy about tomorrow? Are you despondent about tomorrow? Are you rejoicing that there will be a tomorrow in your life? Somebody needs to help me right now with hope. We start over. I love one passage of the translation, one translation of Isaiah 40 and 31. It says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. It's read in the original, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew. But those that hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Hope gets the motor going. And with hope we can breathe in the present. I read about an illustration about some scientists one day that had a bunch of lab rats and they had water in a, in a, in a little half aquarium and the top was off and they, they put these rats in that water. And those rats swam around in, 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 the, in the A group and, and in the B group they swam around also. But in the B group, after about five, six minutes, they put a, a board that fit nicely at the top of that water. And those rats realized, and those mouse, mice realized they could crawl up on that board and they could get their breath. And they could get a break from breathing and from fighting the water. And then they would take the board away and the, and the rats would fall back in the water. And after about 10 minutes on the other side, those, those rats begin to lose their, their focus and begin to lose their dream. And all of a sudden they begin to drown. And it was a pitiful thing. It sounds almost inhumane. But those rats on this right side never gave up because they knew that if they sent a board one time, they might send a board another time. And if a rat can stay alive, <laughs> come on, folks. If a rat can stay alive because some kind of board is put there so you don't have to do this all by yourself, I think we can stand up and declare that I may be going through some things in my life, but every now and then there's a board that I can stand on. There's a rock called the Rock of Ages that I can stand on. There's a principle called God love me I can stand on. And God is my hope. 
tonight. In Paul's most personal letter, 2 Corinthians, he says in the opening chapter that he and his band had lost hope for living. He went on to say they banked their hopes on God and were able to carry on. Everybody say, I will bank my hope on the Lord. And when you get to the place where you ask, am I going to make it? That's when the middle sister shows up. Hope lifts you up to see a little further, to let you stand a little stronger. I know Easter's coming, but I got to tell you one of my favorite stories that God illuminated to me several, several years ago. And I preached it first at a funeral, but I got, it's not a funeral here tonight, but I got to tell it. I love Peter and John in the New Testament. I love those guys. They're pretty awesome. You know, they were the ones that walked up to the gate beautiful in Acts 3 after Holy Ghost had fallen in Acts 2. They walked up in this lame man that had been there from his birth. And God let them heal him in the name of the Lord. And he went into the house of God, leaping and praising God. And it was Philip that baptized the people in Samaria, but it was Peter and John that came down and laid hands on them. Peter and John were kind of buddies, and they were so different. They really were. They were different. Pete was this loud mouth. He was this guy that was always sticking his foot in his mouth. He was the one that said, Lord, you're not going to die. We're going to be there and fight for you. He even got his sword at the Garden of Gethsemane and took a a, a high priest servant's ear off. The Lord said, put up your sword, Simon. Don't need that. But I, I, I find it interesting that in the epistles, 1 and 2 Peter neighbors 1 and 2 and 3 John. Have you ever noticed that? Not only were they together in the ministry, they were together in their writings. 1 and 2 Peter come just before 1 and 3 John. That's pretty neat to me. But here's what I want to tell you. They were, they, were, they were part of the 11 that were in dismay when Jesus died and was buried. And, and they just couldn't believe that he did that. But he promised he had come up out of the grave. And I love when those women who came early to the grave, you know, they came early and one of them came running and told Peter and John, hey, he's not in there, he's alive. Now, if you read John 20, you'll read this, that Pete and John had a foot race to the tomb. Oh, I love this. And the Bible said the other disciple did outrun Peter because, see, I believe Pete loved to, loved to eat his catch more than John did. I think Pete was a bluebell man. I think Pete was a guy that kind of enjoyed sitting back and just dining. You know what I'm saying? And I think John was more of a, a runner. And he outran Peter to the tomb. So John represents what I call love and Pete represents, read his, read his epistle, he represents hope. The middle sister. And John outran him to the sepulcher and when he got there he looked in but he didn't go in because all he saw was the grave clothes and he was disappointed because it wasn't what he wanted to see. But when Peter came, when hope came, love had given up. Oh, hallelujah. Love had given up and said, I just don't, I, I don't understand this. But Pete just said, excuse me, I got to get inside this tomb. And Peter gets inside the tomb and he saw the grave clothes here. Then he saw the linen napkin folded in a place by itself. And the Bible said he believed. Here's what I want to tell you. You may run out of love sometime. You may run out of faith sometime. But you hear me. Hope will walk right in that tomb. Hope will walk right in that grave. And say not today. Not today. I'm going to have victory. And Jesus is alive in my life. 
I may not understand what I'm going through. I might have lost a little bit of love. I may have lost a little faith, but I'm going to hope in God. Woo, hallelujah. Florence Chadwick filled the news years ago. Here's a picture of Florence. She was the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways. And on her first attempt, she failed. And it wasn't the cold water, the currents, or the 15 hours in the water that caused her to quit. It was not being able to see the shore. She quit a few hundred yards from her goal because the fog rolled in and she lost sight of what was up ahead. And she was just a few hundred yards from victory. She lost hope. Hope is the divine ability to say, I'm not giving up. With hope, you can say no. Everybody say no. John tells us it's our hope in Christ that keeps us pure. Hope is a foundation of integrity. Hope is saying that there is a future and I want to be a part of it and prepared for it. Everybody say, I I am not not giving up. My second point, and I got to hurry. Hope must be born into our lives. Everybody say it's got to be born. Paul said it in Romans 5. He said, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By faith also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Watch this now. Also, knowing that tribulation, watch this birth process. Tribulation works patience. And patience experience. And experience hope. Tribulation's got to come. Patience has to come. Experience has to come. And then hope is born. And hope, verse 5, makes not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. Hope is the middle sister, folks. Say amen to that. Faith is born first. Faith unlocks God's world. The treasuries of grace open to those who believe. Believing God leads to rejoicing in hope. When a person trusts God, he responds to problems differently. Rather than running from the situation or fighting the situation, a believer rejoices in the knowledge that God will bring him through and receive glory in the process. So patience is developed and then experience. And from experience, hope is born. Amen. When hope comes on the scene, get ready for some rejoicing. Get ready. When hope enters the picture, prepare to praise God. Hope will shout. Something good's about to happen right now. Hope will say that. I've been here before. I've seen what God can do. And he's going to do it again. That's what hope says. Come on, clap your hands and say, I have hope. I have hope. Now put verse five, put verse five back up there. I didn't, I meant to let you leave it up there. Verse five of the previous scripture. There it is. Paul, notice what he said. And hope makes not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. Hope follows faith. Love follows hope. Faith says God is working. Hope says God is doing something good. And love says share what God is doing. 
Some of you are in this building tonight and you said, you know, I just didn't know how I was going to get out of the situation I was in. I didn't know how it was going to happen. And I was about to give up my faith. I was about to say, I'm not going back to church again. And I just don't think the Lord loves me. But the middle sister stepped in and said, have a little hope. Have a little hope. And you're here tonight because you have hope in God. And I promise you, you're going to leave here with more faith than you ever had coming in and more love than you ever had in your life because hope still works. Hallelujah. I got to hurry. Randy, come and help me. I got to hurry. I'm going to act like I'm closing. I'm still on time. I don't like to make promises to people and not keep them. Everybody say, we got to make room for hope. Everybody say, it's fundamental. Everybody say, it's born. We got to make room for it. You can't squeeze hope out of your life. When Bartholomew Diaz rounded the southernmost part of Africa, he called it the Cape of Storms. A few years later, another Portuguese navigator rounded the same Cape, but he called it the Cape of Good Hope. Same Kate. Point is, we have to make room for hope in the middle of storms. You got to still hope. You got to still hope. You can't live one second without hope. And hope is the anchor of the soul. Amen? Do you have room in your life for hope? You need to make room by reading God's word like in Romans 15. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have. Others have faced what you're going through and found help. Years ago, I was riding in an airplane with a Delta pilot. It wasn't a Delta flight. It was, he's a Delta. He flew, he flew across, across country and into other, other countries. His name was Ron Knott. He was my friend. Still is. But he was very vital to me at a particular time. And it was Easter. It was Easter after, uh, I wrote about this in my book. It was Easter after the tragedy. And we had gone down to Lake Charles to see a, an Easter presentation. And we were flying back in his Bonanza, brand new Bonanza. But we went through an old-fashioned storm. And we were trying to land at Meacham Field there at Dallas-Fort Worth area. We was trying to land, and boy, it was rough. But I kept looking over to a man that I knew knew what he was doing, and he seemed like he was pretty cool, like he was about to have a cup of coffee or something. And I thought, well, if he don't feel shaked, shaken, then I'm, I'm not going to be shaken. There's a lesson in this. Stay with me. And I had these earphones on, and he had earphones on, and I heard him talking, and he looked over at me and he said, Pastor Rex, he said, did you hear what they just said? I said, yeah. They said there's somebody in the middle of it, and we'll see how, if you need to go through it or not go through it, but what happens to them. He said, we're the them. I said, we, we are? He said, yeah, we're going to be fine. And he winked at me, and I promise I hung on to that. He was like a big brother to me. And about a, in just about three more minutes, it seemed like 37 minutes, we broke out of that thunderstorm, and there was the runway, and we landed. 
And God said to me, you've been going through a storm, but I brought you through it. So you could tell others that God can bring them through it. And this is, this is a unique time of the year in the church because it is celebration time. It is time to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection. But some of you feel like you have died and you haven't been resurrected from that situation. But if others can make it through the storm, you can make it through your storm. You really can. Make room by seeking God's face. The psalmist said, I will trust in God for my hope is in him. In another place, the psalmist declared, hope thou in God. When your soul is cast down, when you seem down and out, hope in God. Hope in God. I've never seen a better description of hope than the one found in a comment made by John Stocksdale. Here's a picture of Admiral Stocksdale. You may remember him. He was shot down by the North Vietnamese Army on September the 9th, 1965. And he spent seven and a half years in the infamous Hanoi Hilton. And he admits that something gripped him early in his captivity, early on. And here's what he said. I want to read it real slow. You've got to get this. Seven and a half years. He said, I never lost faith, hear me now, in the end of the story. I never doubted not only that I would get out, but also that I would prevail in the end and turn the experience into a defining event of my life, which in retrospect, I would not trade. He said, I never doubted for a minute that I wouldn't get out of this. That's what needs to happen in our lives. We don't need to doubt for one moment that anything that comes upon us is not common, is not, that's, that's uncommon, it's not common to man. But God will with every, every temptation provide a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. Hope is never losing faith in the end of the story. Hope says this thing is going to have a good ending. God will never let you down. Hope in him. God will never disappoint you. Hope in him. Hope in God. Say it. Hope in God. So I ask you, do you have room for hope? You need to multiply it. Abraham had room for hope and he multiplied. The Bible said he believed for hope and became the father of many nations. Pass the hope around that you have to many others because everybody needs a little bit of this hope that we have in our life today. Everybody needs it. I close tonight. It's one of the neatest stories. I close tonight. There were three sisters who were triplets. They were born in 1899. They lived nearly to the end of the 20th century. The first was named Faith Cardwell. The second was named Hope Cardwell. The third was named Charity Cardwell. And they entered the Guinness Book of World Records as the longest living triplets. Faith lived to be 95 years old. Charity died shortly after. She too was 95 years old. But hope. Hope lived to be nearly 98 years old. Hope. (laughs) Has a way of holding on. You may lose your faith every now and then. You may lose your love every now and then. But hope is not so easy to lose. I would call her a tenacious middle sister hallelujah have hope in God have hope in God have hope in God that's what I want to preach you might not want to hear it but I preached it 
Everybody say, I hope in the Lord. My faith, my love is to him. My hope is in him. I have hope. 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 Go to bed tonight and say, I have hope. Wake up in the morning and say, I have hope. Say it. After all, after all, I'm Faith's middle sister. After all, I'm love's sister. Faith, hope, and charity. Let's believe that God can and will do anything in our lives. Stand to your feet. Clap your hands all over the building. Rejoice in the word of the Lord tonight. Amen. Rejoice in the word of the Lord tonight. Rejoice. Rejoice in the word.